This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su. And for the second consecutive year, the 2022 US Trafficking in Persons report has given Malaysia the lowest rank, Tier 3, um, indicating our failure to meet minimum standards when it comes to human trafficking. So, you know, with World Day Against Trafficking in Persons observed annually on July 30th, we thought it's the perfect time as well to take a look at what this latest report means once again for Malaysia, who is also a member of the UN Human Rights Council, and whether the current economic situation might also contribute to further human um, trafficking activity as well. Joining me on today's show is Gerald Joseph, a human rights consultant, as well as the former commissioner with Suhakam. Thanks for joining me today, Gerald. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. When we talk about human trafficking, you know, I think a lot of people often picture scenarios of people being smuggled across the border and they think that that's it. But is that an accurate picture? You know, what actually constitutes human trafficking? So uh, I think uh, human trafficking, yeah, that that is an apt image for us to keep in our minds. But the formulation of how it is done now is much more sophisticated. Uh, Basically, human trafficking is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of people through, and this this part is the important part, through force, fraud, or deception with the aim of exploiting them for profit. That's the simple explanation. And anyone can become victims from all backgrounds, right? Men, women, children of this crime. So this is an international crime which occurs in every region of the world. Uh, and uh, usually the traffickers use violence or fraudulent employment agencies or fake promises of a better job, better education in order to make the parties believe that they're coming for some legitimate reasons for employment. And then upon arrival, the story is different. Mm. So the individual might have often has no idea of what's happening, right? They think that they've agreed to one thing, but in reality, they are being sort of brought over into another country for completely different reasons. Yes, uh, and that's why uh, this uh, this network, this criminal international criminal network, and you always find it only operates when you have the sending uh, crime network and the receiving side needs a partner, you know, who will ensure that the movement of uh, people from A to B happens. And usually they employ or they offer to employ people from uh, poorer communities, desperate for looking for a job for their next economic uh, upgrade, right? And so they come across saying that I was promised to work in a factory. I didn't know I was going to work in a a restaurant. I was promised this was salary. When I came, they told me, oh, I have to minus, 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 minus this, and I'm getting this. So all this, uh, and many of them, you know, the whether information is given to them uh, freely, whether made to understand the documents, you know, and then they may not even be of very uh, good educational background. So exploitation is really uh, part of the game plan, you know. Uh, you hardly hear maybe the more educated middle class people get exploited, but there is, I think in Malaysia recently, we saw some young people uh, being found to in Cambodia, you know, with some tricks. There are more tricks, you know, they tell mm-hmm. you all the right things you want to hear, 
but because of online conversation and then when you go to a foreign country and the vulnerability increases because you suddenly realize that you don't have a protection system you are in a foreign land and uh, you don't know who to go to and because immediately de facto you they tell you already illegal or you don't have the proper documents if you go and complain you will get into jail or deported so all that fear summarize they will be beholden to the trafficker who then says okay you better work or work off your debt until we send you back so what choice do they have you know very few are empowered to like make the call mm-hmm. so glad that our malaysians in cambodia made the call to somebody i don't know how the news came out and then we then the whole police everybody went into action but that should be for every country uh, to see trafficked persons as victims you know uh, and we should be focusing on getting at uh, the people who control the the syndicate not the we are the victims you know don't make them look like oh you have no documents so you are the wrong and let's arrest you and let's throw you in you know? ask them why they have no document how did it happen did they purposely come here without document or they came here legally with all the promises so we need to investigate to differentiate between a victim and a perpetrator And at that point, when they're sort of beholden to the person who sort of smuggled them in, right? Does that also become forced labor? Yes, yes. Because you see, in any um, any uh, labor situation for you and I, if you want to get a job, right? Mm-hmm. It is a contract, a known contract that uh, has uh, that gives both sides uh, prior knowledge. We are informed. and we know exactly what we are getting into what's the um, the remuneration and what's the benefits and what we can do we cannot do so we agreed to it going into it knowingly you know and then uh, we also have an exit clause uh, i'm sure if both of us get employed somewhere uh, they will tell us okay uh, both sides will have an exit clause you know two months three months notice whatever the notice is mm-hmm. but in this scenario the exit clause becomes almost unrealistic or impossible because they say we cannot let you go because you owe us money and the poor communities who are recruited from villages or smaller places uh, they actually borrow money to make it to this country with uh, with the promise that of course they will earn much bigger money and you know things will be better so when when you have a big debt bondage stuck on your head you cannot go back to your place because you have to pay back the money so you said i might as well stay here and work off that debt but that that bondage is part of uh, trafficking uh, systems because the trafficker knows well this guy will take 5 6 years to settle it and so and he's trying to edge to do work harder work harder work harder and he has cannot even go back and his documents uh, will expire mm-hmm. uh, for a short while and then he's too afraid to make a complaint because it so uh, so unless they come forward and make a complaint and which they are afraid because they know the documents is not proper and the the traffickers will tell okay you if you dare you go make a complaint that you they will immediately arrest you and put you in jail and whip you so what is the motivation for this victims to come forward So now if we look at this latest US trafficking in persons report that was released um just recently you know Malaysia remains at tier 3 for the second consecutive year um if i'm not mistaken this is the first time that we actually didn't improve our ranking after falling to tier 3 were you surprised by this and what does it tell us about the state of human trafficking here in Malaysia 
actually, I'm not surprised uh, because uh, it, it's not that there is no effort being uh, tried or discussed, right? You see many efforts, uh, the government trying all kinds of MOU with, uh, with other governments to make it better mm-hmm. for, for labor-related movement of people. Uh, that de facto becomes part of the trafficking network because they are not employed uh, gainfully and in a proper manner. So uh, why are we lagging in terms of standards of protection uh, in uh, in our labor sector? Isn't it like uh, straightforward? Uh, I mean, why isn't Singapore uh, on the list? Uh, when we have so many migrant workers, Singapore is another migrant worker country, right? Uh, so but why there's no spotlight on Singapore? Why is it possible to enable better systems there and not here? Mm-hmm. Then the question is, what's the root cause enabling exploitation of the system? And this has been exposed so many times. The, the First of all, the amount of money that you can earn from uh, employment of foreign labor is huge. Number two, you have home ministry being involved in what is supposed to be a labor ministry or a human resource ministry. And the question is why is home ministry involved in labor ministry? It just should be human resource ministry. It's, it's a labor to labor issue. And then you get all the fees to be employed and uh, that is part of the system that doesn't uh, bode well for, for workers, meaning they already start with the burden and they're actually coming here to just work and uh, the work is legal so there's some payment to the government to the system so i think uh, exploitation has happened also because we have a, a corrupt system in place at many levels so as i said the human trafficking is a syndicate both ends right mm-hmm. uh, so so if that uh, is happening so have we not uh, weeded out this uh, this group of people number two why do we need so many middlemen middlewoman agents in order to be employed, shouldn't it be a transparent, seamless, end-to-end employment system that anyone can apply and you can see the whole movement and you don't need so many middlemen agents to do this test and pay this. So when when, uh, I was at uh, Sohakam, we were meeting some of the workers in the different factories and plantation. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to get them to actually tell us how much of money that they actually uh, had paid prior to coming. Because uh, the companies told us that they have a zero recruitment fee policy. So once they find out, they will actually uh, pay the workers back and blacklist whoever was doing it because they're not supposed to make any payment. So some small monies for, I think, like a few thousand ringgit, they will tell and get it paid back. But upon a lot of uh, questioning and friendly chats, suddenly you get a bit more numbers coming out that already at the village, huge money was paid. Uh, and that one, they don't want to tell because they are fearful that they will lose the job or you know, their relatives will not get other job opportunities. So the system is stacked against them. And uh, that's why I think our system uh, makes it difficult uh, for legal employment, I mean, you look at other countries where if you want to go in, you better be legally employed. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to be paid and any uh, hanky-panky is a no-no. So the system itself is clean to ensure that no exploitation can happen. But in Malaysia, so many middle person agencies are in between. And that's why people come here, they are stuck. They become undocumented. 
And then the word we use is suddenly we have so many illegal and the correct word is undocumented workers in Malaysia. Because of exploitation, they come here, they got a huge debt burden. They have no choice. Let, let me work it out. And they pray and hope they don't get arrested. There are many arrests, but the arrest is a drop in the ocean because there are far more un, uh, undocumented workers. So it is a, a system that is fairly straightforward that can be cleaned up. But I think the first thing is home ministry has to come out of the equation. I think it should be a professional labor management system of the human resource. And uh, home ministry only gets involved for the visa, which is a legal document, mm -hmm. um, but that is based on people uh, coming in for work. Like you don't hear exploitation of, of the expatriates coming here, right? They don't get, there's no trafficking of expatriates, meaning people can get employed, can go to the proper system, can be employed, but this is for the vulnerable groups. It's so easy uh, to exploit them. And so when the the tier three, mm -hmm. I think we cannot say efforts being done and hope we get upgraded. Actually, action must prove that we have reversed the downward trend of trafficking. And if that is not convincing, and I don't think it is convincing because of even the reason MOUs with Indonesia is just proving that uh, something is not right at the top. You know, the, the two ministries are not seeing eye to eye. It's embarrassing to Malaysia that they, we cannot get it right when mm -hmm. uh, sending country wants to send workers. And they're doing the right thing, I think, protecting their workers. And it should be the government of sending government to protect their workers. This is not about arrogance because if not, we'll have many more exploited people coming. And if the country doesn't feel confident that we have a fair, good system, I think it is right to stop check and ask a better system. On the show with me today is Gerald Joseph, human rights consultant and former commissioner to Suhakam. And we are discussing the recent 2022 US trafficking in persons report, which has ranked Malaysia at tier three for the second consecutive year. We'll be right back after a quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. It was World Day Against Trafficking in Persons on Saturday, the 30th of July. And in conjunction with that, we are discussing the recently released US Trafficking in Persons report, which has given Malaysia the lowest rank of Tier 3 for the second consecutive year. So joining me on the show to discuss that today is Gerald Joseph, a human rights consultant and former commissioner with Suhakam. Now, before the break, we were talking about what constitutes um, human trafficking and what that tier three ranking tells us about the state of human trafficking in Malaysia. Gerald, you mentioned our reliance on cheap foreign labor. And speaking of that, you know, we've been facing a um, reported shortage of at least 1.2 million workers across many industries due to the slow return of migrant workers um, after a COVID-19 freeze was lifted earlier this year. However, progress has also been hampered by negotiations with source countries. As we saw with Indonesia's temporary freeze on workers coming into the country, which was just um, lifted yesterday. How concerned are you over, you know, whether this might fuel human trafficking activities, considering that um, there is demand on Malaysia's end? Uh, I mean, it is concerning uh, two fronts. Malaysian, uh, it's concerning that this is going to impact the economy. Uh, our employers have been begging and asking 
I need workers. And it's not about being uh, unnationalistic un or unpatriotic that they want foreign workers. Every employer I've met said the first, uh, first choice preference is Malaysian. But Malaysian uh, people have many options and choices and they seem to be shying away from the so-called hard labor type intensive jobs. So they said that and Malaysian workers, because they easily can change job, they stay for short and then they free choice of movement, which is what labor rights is about. So they are desperate for workers and we are dependent on many industries like the plantation or manufacturing. So we need workers. So there is a real need from the economic point of view. So my question is, what is the economic ministers, what is the international foreign uh, ministers, where are their voice to ensure that our economic framework is sustained, to make sure that, that the labor movement is done professionally and properly? Because Malaysians, many Malaysians work overseas in Australia, Japan, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, by the hundreds of thousands. And there is a system and we go there because it's better salary. So the movement of labor is not strange. People find any opportunity where they can get better economic uh, benefits. So people come to our country for the same motivation. So then um, uh, when you know this is a dire need, then you get your other end repaired or improved significantly better. But obviously the right hand and the left hand of this government is wanting Mm -hmm. And this is not a new situation. Uh, it is uh, carved in an exploitative framework. Uh, the lack of uh, efforts to combat corruption uh, in this labor migration movement has rendered our efforts, as the trafficking report was trying to suggest, you know, are not good enough. You know? And I would think, yeah, we're not good enough. Just saying we want to do this, we set up this committee, we set up this proposal. I think open up the system enough of secrecy, give more information, show more arrests, more prosecution. And uh, I remember even the Wang Kalia and the death, uh, you know, the 139 bodies were found in the border. After mm -hmm. today, where's the serious prosecution on our side? Four operators, I use the word operators because I don't think they are the, the brains. Mm -hmm. They have been charged four or five years. I mean, they finished their jail term. But where's the Malaysian side? Who's the network here? That network could not have survived on if there is no movement or support from Malaysian end. I mean, the bringing end, you cannot do anything because it's another country. But Thailand prosecuted, I think, 100 plus people, including a five-star general, and jailed him very fast, within a year. Mm -hmm. A huge, high-level people, high officials were jailed. And we asked the question, Malaysia, why? Where? How come it's not done yet? So I think the impact on economy, but more seriously, the desperation of the industry will need to employ people, anybody who wants to work. And this includes people without documents. And actually many meetings have gone for the plantation companies have quite openly and honestly told the government, we have no choice, especially during the, uh, when you are harvesting the fruits, it's time sensitive, I think like oil palm, yeah? Mm -hmm. You only have like five or six day window before it's rotten. Uh, so that period is labor intensive and they will need to employ anyone around. And if they cannot get the formal labor, they will go around seeking people and pay extra. And many of them are undocumented. 
and they don't underpay them. The many companies pay them properly, but de facto, when a person is undocumented, it falls under the criteria for trafficking persons because when you're undocumented, while a good company will do the necessary, the legal system still doesn't protect you as an employed, gainfully employed uh, labor uh, in the country. Mm. So on that note, to continue on the solution side, right? Do we need to what? How else can we do better when it comes to protection of victims of human trafficking? Because I understand that in Malaysia, we, like you mentioned earlier, we recognize them as um, criminals, right? We don't recognize them as victims of human trafficking, even if they were brought into the country under those circumstances. So I think we have uh, anti-trafficking laws, you know. Mm-hmm. The ATIPSOM, the anti-trafficking of in-person anti-smuggling of migrants, has been amended to give you more strength. So we have laws. We have a whole unit in Bukit Aman that is dedicated to ATIPSOM. There is a, a council, a MAPO Council, Malaysian Anti-Trafficking of Persons Council, with many agencies that meet regularly. So at the top, many systems are in place. And I, I can tell you uh, for sure, like the Bukit Aman uh, Anti-Trafficking Unit works very fast because Suhakam has alerted them a few times. When we got some info, immediately they go and try to save the people or do something. So there is some effort, ready effort to do. But is that enough, you know, uh, when there's already a large number of victims on the ground? So the more we have the framework prosecute those without documents as the mainstay, like this undocumented, and that's where our immigration director general's main concern is. They came here undocumented or they came here documented and then because of circumstances, it was forced to be transformed to be undocumented, what you call illegal and traffic. So uh, the focus is on this, what I call the, the shadow looming above, but not what's really under that cost and that undocumented. So if we stop our focus on arresting the those without document and now even whipping them, mm-hmm. our law said because you're not solving anything. There's still many here, and even more recently, you realize that the also false arrest uh, of one Indonesian person was wrongly prosecuted. So why that fervor to arrest that this group of people? When I don't see the same fervor to arrest the whole network of traffickers and to arrest their own officers who's part of this uh, corrupt system. MACC have done some arrests, but it's still uh, happening. So I think uh, it is time the whole system gets uh, a revamp. And the only way it's going to get uh, a revamp is, uh, I think, uh, first having clarity on the so-called powers of employment and recruitment. I, I was part of the uh, independent committee on migrant labor that was set up under Pakatan Harapan time. It was a team of 11 people set up a chat by Dr. Shamudin. So we worked for two years. We came up with a report on how to make better our system. But sadly, the report is not made public. And that report came after we met all the stakeholders. We had a town hall sessions, and it's with the Human Resource Ministry. I'm not sure why it's not made public. Mm-hmm. So this this all proves a lack of seriousness of this government to want to take it forward. No, why are you keeping the report? Are the recommendations bad? If it's bad, you can 
tell it, we have better recommendation. We are always good for anybody criticizing us when you have something better, no problem. But make the report public so that the public will know uh, what is wrong, what is exploited, and what needs to be improved, you know. But the system of this government is many reports are not made public, so we don't even know uh, how to improve the system. And this proves a lack of seriousness. Because mm. if you're serious about fighting trafficking, you will employ every possible avenue uh, to, to stop the exploitation. And the, the notion that um, fighting trafficking and uh, making systems better will only strengthen our system. It will not allow people to run in freely without documents. This false notion that, oh, you know, we make it easy for labor migration, everybody will run in. Everybody may not run in because they cannot run in. They still need to go to the immigration borders. But people would be motivated to come in because legally, it's financially better for them. They will uh, be protected. They won't be harassed. They will be treated properly like any other worker. And the message will go across, hey, Malaysia is a good labor country, you know. You get your decent job. You can even stay in decent places. You can walk around and have your tetare roti Police won't stop you and harass you on the road and ask you for this, ask you for that. And they feel treated uh, properly. And like any other foreign country, I think Malaysian foreigners, if we get treated badly, we will complain a little bit. But how we treat foreign workers here is like, it's okay. That's how life is. You know? So I think we need to change that mindset. And that mindset, I think, is... Uh, is really uh, uh, seeped in very old feudal mentality. Mm -hmm. These people are coming here as our workers, our slaves, uh, our servants. And, you know, we are the ones with more power. And that, I think, is old and it has to go. Any worker is a worker. Uh, there's a contract between employer and worker. And that person is a human being. He or she has rights. And part of the rights is the right to rest, the right to move. We should not be exploiting people just because they're going to supermarket and malls. And this is part of our Malaysian society uh, framework, you know. Oh, the malls are crowded because of foreigners. Of course, uh, you know, when we go to their country to uh, and London, all orang uh, Malaysia, orang Singapore, uh, orang Thailand, you don't hear anybody say, oh, Asians have taken over London. Well, for them, they're ben uh, reaping the benefits. And these foreigners who go to the mall are actually buying food or buying something. So that's life. Let's get used to this and stop framing foreigners as a problem. That's xenophobia. But sadly, I've also heard the ministers talk in that language. Uh, Home Minister has always given a warning. The Director General is almost that they are doing uh, something for with the patriotic sense. And I think that's the false notion mm -hmm. that patriotism means you be anti-foreigner, you know. Patriotism means you are a person who's concerned about the country but has deep respect for human beings uh, all over. I think we need to move into that space. Mm. Economically, it makes a lot of sense for us to make this process a lot more transparent so that we can attract more foreign um, labour into the country and also from there then attract more investors into the country as well. And I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned, Gerald, about the language that we use, right? Because a lot of times when we talk about um, migrant workers' rights, when we talk about um, labour, uh, when we talk about foreign labour, it's often framed in a criminal sense rather than a human rights or a labor rights angle. And that, um, and in turn, when we hear that in the news reports, that also influences how the public perceives of the issue, right? 
Correct. So I think the the framework is the the the, the challenge between two sides: the security mindedness of officials who seem like oh I, these uh, people are here to exploit, and the labor framework that they are actually coming here because we have a need. If there are no jobs here, people cannot come here. They won't even come here because there's no jobs for them. But obviously there are jobs. Obviously, Malaysian employers are looking for them. So it's not like they are coming here and forcing themselves to work. I mean, they can't force anybody to employ them if there are no jobs. You know? So it's a, a basic sense economic uh, model that there is a, a, a dire need for labor. So they are out, out there looking. But the problem is it's not framed in an economic and labor uh, frame. It is seen as... These people, you know, they're coming here and, you know, we have to take care of the security because they're going to do one, two, three, four, that may be bad and dangerous. So where did we get this idea bad and dangerous? Because Malaysians are working by the thousands in Singapore. If Singapore thought it is bad and dangerous, a lot of Malaysians won't be employed there. But you have a system that is right and proper and Malaysians know how to behave in Singapore. They do all the payment, they follow all the system, they wait properly, they get good salary and they come home. To Malaysia, and that's all workers want. Go there, do the job, get the money, uh, live decently, and send the money home and come home. And why can't we reciprocate that framework with workers in Malaysia? And just because they are labor, manufacturing, and plantation, we should not think that, uh, oh, they are lesser than others. They are the same as an expatriate. We can treat expatriates properly. Let's treat our foreign labor properly. And don't think of them as elements of criminals or they easily want to become illegal. What's the motivation for a person coming from the village to be an undocumented or the so-called illegal? No he one wants so that. Afraid. Yeah. He's afraid to be arrested, to be whipped, to be jailed. His mother, his wife or his husband, her husband and children are waiting. So who would want to come here to be jailed? I mean, the logic is warped. You know, they're just coming here to earn that 1,200 ringgit and get part of it to send home. That's all their motivation. But this exploitative system has enabled many to be pushed to the other end. And that's why we keep earning this this infamous mark. I mean, I'm very sad that we are still on tier three. Mm. I really thought that after so many years of us trying, we should be able to to push up our, our mark, our standards. But obviously, the top is not right. The government is not getting it right. Enforcement is not getting it right. This is nothing to do with uh, we are getting angry with the, the foreigners. It's our whole system. Our whole system. And so the, I think the questions to be answered by the Director General of Immigration who keeps doing the arrest, but to what end? Question is to be answered by the Home Minister who keeps talking a lot, but it's not his purview. Let go, give it to human resource. You are security, you just manage enough things under your hand. Uh, my call is look at the, make the migrant worker, the Independent Committee of Migrant Workers report public. And then you can criticize the report or use it uh, to improve uh, the system in government. Hmm. Transparency is key, right? Um, yeah. You know, we've spent so many years, we've spent most of the years on the tier two watch list and really the highest we've been is ranked at tier two. What impact do you think this will have on our international standing, especially considering that Malaysia is now a member of the U UN Human Rights Council? 
you know, when I spoke just now, I said the left hand, the right hand is seemingly not uh, in consonance. Now I have to say left hand, right hand, and the upper hand, or lower hand. So there are many hands that are not not consistent. So the our position in the Human Rights Council is uh, it's supposed to be a proud moment, mm-hmm. but um, as a member of the Human Rights Council, which is under the purview of the Foreign Ministry. I think there'll be a lot of questions to answer. It will be an embarrassing point, uh, but uh, it will not uh, stop us from doing our work in the council. But I think the question, the flip side question is, as a member of the Human Rights Council, don't we have uh, more urgency to prove our record better? I think that's what's the test for Malaysians. Uh, uh, let's not say, okay, we will be continue to be the Human Rights Council. Of course, you will continue to be for the next three years or two years plus now because you're already elected member. But the world is watching. We are watching as Malaysians. Uh, and I think uh, when our ambassador or whoever speaks at the Human Rights Council, we'll have to remember this uh, reports of human trafficking and other, other reports in the country. And... Uh, I hope, as I said, the upper hand, lower hand, left hand, right hand can actually uh, tell the other hand that something is wrong in the system. So the foreign ministry will need to talk to home ministry and uh, human resource and say, hey, this cannot be the human rights standard for our country. Uh, If this is going to continue, it's not just about tier three in the U.S. trafficking report, but it will be tier three in many other reports, and Malaysia should never be there. Uh, I will always uh, fight and uh, try to help any report to bench up our standards. But we have to do real work to clean up the system. The anti-corruption report, we need to do real work. You know, uh, This trafficking report, we have to do real work. Human rights report, the UPR is coming up, Universal mm-hmm. Peer Review, I think uh, next year is where we're going to submit our report. Uh, a lot of hard work to do. So being a member of the Human Rights Council was a proud moment, but now is a real hard work. And I think, uh, I, I hope, uh, as a member of the Human Rights Council, our government takes human rights seriously, not symbolically, which is most of the case in Malaysia. So the question is to the Prime Minister then, what is your what is your standard for defence of human rights? Or is your human rights only for one group of people in the country? You don't care about the rest. So... This is a question Malaysians must answer. Sadly, uh, after almost 70 years uh, of our independence, uh, we are still unable to answer this question on inclusivity and equality. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's at the heart of uh, our treatment of these uh, foreign workers in the country. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Gerald. Thank you. Thank you, Sven. I've been speaking to Gerald Joseph, human rights consultant and former commissioner with Suhakam in conjunction with World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. And we've been discussing the recent US Trafficking in Persons report as well, which ranked Malaysia at Tier 3. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on BFM.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.